After weeks of stops and starts, the ACC has added the very obvious trio of Cal, Stanford, and SMU. We all saw that coming from miles away, right? It's just yet another marker indicating a complete overhaul of college athletics as we've known it. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's up? Welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, the only daily national college hoop show out there. I'm your host today, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for joining us for your first listener watch of the day. I know typically on a Monday, Andy and I are hanging out together. He's on a family trip this weekend. They're celebrating Labor Day, so you just get me. Sorry about you, but Never fear, Andy and I will be together on tomorrow's show, so make sure you tune in for that. Uh, I mean, if you're new to the show, you know no different. Welcome in. Uh, This is where we're at today. For those of you who are everydayers, we love seeing you back as always. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. Make every moment more because right now new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. Coming up on the show, we're basically just talking all ACC and what's going on and then the ripple effects of it. What are the next dominoes to fall? And then uh, kind of a fun exercise for me. I hope you enjoy this as well. I spent some time over the weekend. If if you were watching on Twitter, I actually posted all this on Twitter, but I, I messed around with what the ACC and Big Ten will each do with their conference tournaments now that they're going to be at 18 teams. And so I want to propose a couple scenarios to you. I'd love for you to vote on what you think would be the best and what they'll actually do. So that'll be fun. We'll get to that in a little bit. But first, let's just talk the details of this thing, talk some big picture stuff, and kind of get the landscape of where we're at now. So, uh, Let's just handle it with the like reporting questions. What, when, how, that kind of stuff. What? Stanford, Cal Berkeley, SMU, Southern Methodist are all going to the ACC. It's just funny to to hear that clumped together. You got these two prestigious academic institutions up in in the Bay Area. And then you got this renowned party school in the heart, in the thick of Dallas. I love it. It's so funny. But hey. They're coming to the ACC, 18 total teams, and that's going to match the Big Ten for the largest of the conferences. When did this happen? Great question. Well, a call took place amongst the school presidents, the 15 current ACC school presidents on Friday morning. You might recall it was supposed to happen actually last Monday, a week ago today, but that was delayed because of, unfortunately, the shooting that took place on UNC's campus last Monday. And so that was pushed up until Friday over the weekend. And there you go there. And so also part of the when, not just when did the decision actually get made, but when did this, when will this take effect? It's next season. So not immediately, but 2024, 25. So 12 months from now, or really 11, because it'll, it'll take place in July. That's when we'll see these three teams come into the league. So how is the next question? Great question. The ACC needed 12 of the 15 schools to vote yes to move forward with this thing. Um, And so you 
you might or might not be aware there had been four no votes to this point. It was Clemson, Florida State, North Carolina, and North Carolina State. Um, and really, you look at that and you think of Clemson, Florida State, and North Carolina as being that big three. And NC State usually votes as a block with UNC is why that had been happening. And so, um, and keep in mind, this is presidents, not ADs, not athletic directors voting on this. We'll talk about that in just a minute. So you had those dissenters, but then on this call Friday, NC State is the flip, the one that flips to get to that um, 12th vote, meaning that this can move forward. Commissioner Phillips wanted an, an not anonymous, a unanimous, excuse me, vote. He wanted all 15 teams, but he just couldn't get Florida State, Clemson, and North Carolina to that point. And so that the fact that NC State was the flip is according to, to multiple various reports. I read it first from ESPN's Andrea Adelson, so we'll give her the credit on that one really interesting from the North Carolina standpoint on Thursday evening, they, their board of trustees had issued this strong statement against it because they were trying to essentially make sure that um, North Carolina's chancellor, Kevin Guskowitz would not flip his vote. And let me just read you this letter because this is wild. The strong majority of the university of North Carolina at Chapel Hills board of trustees opposes the proposed expansion of the uh, athletic coach. Atlantic, excuse me, Coast Conference to include Stanford University, the University of Kyle Berkeley, and Southern Methodist University. Although we respect the academic excellence and the athletic programs of these institutions, the travel distances for routine in-conference competitive play are far too great for this arrangement to make sense for our student-athletes, coaches, alumni, and fans. Furthermore, the economics of this newly imagined transcontinental conference do not sufficiently address the income disparity ACC members face. We'll talk about that more in a minute, folks, about uh, why this made a little more sense at this point. Without ironclad assurances that the proposed expansion serves the interests of UNC Chapel Hill, we believe it should be voted down. Bing, bang, boom, man. They're coming out guns blazing there. Well, so with all of that said, why did this happen? Why do it now? Because it had been, hey, we are going to be essentially 30 million annually behind the SEC and the Big Ten. Well, there's a couple reasons why to do it. Commissioner Phillips and I think the, the yes voting members of this conference believe that there is strength in numbers. Let's say that at some point, I don't know, North Carolina, Clemson, Florida State do decide to head off You've brought in these three other schools, which now can help not happen what did to the Pac-12, right? Where it just starts to crumble. If three schools leave, you still got 15. And that is a really, really good number. So uh, there, there's a strength in numbers kind of thing. So uh, th those those numbers certainly make it better if, well, let's, let's say when uh, those schools that voted no eventually leave the conference in search of greener, <laughs> greener money pastures. Now, why does it work now? Because the talk had been these these schools, these three don't move the needle. They, they won't in terms of uh, a media deal getting rebrokered or, or higher um, income, those kind of things because of that economic disparity that we talked about. Well, Pete Thamel's reporting suggests that with what the three schools are forfeiting, and I'll, I'll talk about that in a second, it's going to net the conference 
an estimated pool of 50 to 60 million more annually that the ACC can utilize. So some portion of that will be divided equally among the three schools or excuse me, among uh, divided equally among the member schools of the ACC. And the rest is going to be reserved as incentive for on-field success. And we'll have to wait and see what all the numbers and breakdown of, of that income is going to be. Now, it's not that um, SMU, Stanford, and Cal are going to get nothing because there are other uh, monies that will come in from like NCAA tournament units, some other media stuff, etc. And so in some ways, SMU... Uh, might be bringing in about the same amount that they were as part of the AAC. So it's no problem for them a little bit less. And so what is that little bit less? Great question. Glad you asked it. Um, as for SMU, they've said that the reporting had been seven years. It's up to nine years now. They're going to take 0% of their media, rev sh media revenue share. And that's all going to go into this kitty. And then Cal and Stanford each are getting... Um, uh, a reduced 30% um, in, and that means the other 70% for both schools is going to go into like this kitty for um, to be spread around that. That was part of the, like, here's how you can come in is if you help us in this way, make up this disparity. Now it's not going to make it up in totality, but it is going to help bridge the gap to where it's not 30 million deficit. You know, maybe it's 15 or something like that. And, and that's just a ballpark number. I'm not really sure. Uh, one of my favorite parts of all of the conference realignment conversation is let's play, which is further. And I, I posted this on a Twitter poll, but just trying to look at, okay, with Stanford and Cal coming in, what is, what is the longest trip that, you know, would go east to west or west to east? My guess was, and, and I guessed it two existing schools and looked up all these distances. I used their basketball arenas back and forth. So I was guessing it was either Miami to Stanford, Miami to Cal, Boston College to Stanford or Boston College to Cal. So between those four possibilities, I want you to stop and guess right now what you think it is. And then I'll tell you the answer. All right, here we go. The, the four longest distances that schools will have to travel now in the ACC starting next season. I'll go um, of these four from lowest to greatest. Miami, the Watsco Center to Stanford's Maples Pavilion is 3,025 miles. That's ridiculous in and of itself, but it gets worse. Miami to Cal, the Haas Pavilion, 3,041 miles. So just 16 miles longer. But the two longer trips are the Boston College to the Bay Area Schools. BC, the Conti Forum, to Cal is 3,088 miles. So if you said Boston College to Stanford, ding, 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 you got it right. From Conti Forum to Maples Pavilion, 3,128 miles. What on earth? That's what we're doing. And that's why people are like, this just doesn't make sense, man. Anyway, there, there it is. But but here's my big question in this. Why aren't the ADs the ones voting on this thing? This is not an academics issue. So sure, the presidents, the chancellors, they should have a voice in this thing. But ultimately, I feel like the votes should come from the ADs or at the very least, the president and chancellor of, of the school should be voting by by based on what the AD wants to happen for the good of the student athletes, for the good of the athletics department. The, the AD wouldn't hone in on, on an academic decision. Well, you know, like, why does that make sense here? I, I just, again, 
I think the presidents and chancellors have to have a voice because it's something their school's doing, but it's not their school is jumping into this conference. It's their athletics department is jumping into this conference. You know what I mean? And so, or, or inviting other schools into this conference, I should say. So that, that has been a frustration and a, a point of consternation for me. And uh, so that's, that's where we're at with that. Well, I do want to say a couple words about the basketball history of those, these three schools coming in, which by the way, isn't great. Look at the next dominoes to fall and what they're going to be. We'll talk about all that in just a second. But first, this episode of Locked On College Basketball is brought to you by Athletic Brewing. Hey, now is time for your Game Changer of the Week, brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. Much like USA Basketball has been working into the second round of the FIBA World Cup, although they lost on Sunday, but hey, they advance on to the quarterfinals. Great stuff there. Athletic Brewing has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. They're full-flavored and well-crafted, just like a full-strength beer. You can find Athletic Brewing Company's non-alcoholic brews at a store near you or buy it online at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers can use code LOCKEDON for 15% off your first online order. Again, that's code LOCKEDON at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near Beer, Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. Exclusions and conditions apply. I, I know we're here on Locked On College Basketball, but our counterparts in the football world are kicking off a Locked On College Football Kickoff Live, airing every Friday, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern, live on every Locked On College YouTube channel. You're going to want to find out about playoff implications, conference rivalries, and more. So make sure you tune in every Friday, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern on every Locked On College channel's YouTube page. You do not want to miss it. Okay, basketball history of these three schools, y'all, it, it is bleak. There, there just ain't much. Stanford, let me just run through theirs. One NCAA championship, 1942. They did win a Helms in 37. We'll take that. Two total Final Fours, three total Elite Eights, five Sweet Sixteens. And so obviously all the ones that go, I mean, I'm including all of that. So, you know, they've been to the second weekend of the tournament five times ever. That's what that means. One Pac-12 conference tournament championship to to their name. Now, to be fair, there was no tournament champ, no tournament from '91 to '01, so that's part of it. And this is just Pac-12 numbers, so going back to the late '80s, there they did win Stanford 13 regular season championships, and so that's good. A uh, couple, if you're trying to think of like who played there, notable alum recently. The, well, let's go two sets of twins: the Collins twins and the Lopez twins. So that's fun. What about Cal? Never won a national championship. They had one NCAA championship runner-up, 59. Or, I'm sorry, um, they they do have an NCAA championship, 59, and then they were, they were the runner-up in 60. I misspoke. Please forgive me. Three Final Fours, five Elite Eights, six Sweet Sixteen. So, same kind of thing. They've only been to the second weekend of the tournament six times. Never won a Pac-12 conference tournament championship, although they did win 15 regular season championships. Hey, notable players, one of the greatest passers of all time, Jason Kidd. Uh, Kevin Johnson is an alum. Sh um, Sharif Abdurrahim. Recently, you know, the most famous right now would be Jalen Brown uh, playing uh, just a stud in the NBA. SMU, 
zero national championships. That's that's what I was thinking when I said none for Cal there. One Final Four, two Elite Eights, six, six Sweet Sixteens. Um, they have three conference tournament championships, 16 regular season conference championships. So they've not been woeful. These teams have each won a little bit, but man, it's it. Hopefully the ACC can do them well. We'll have to see what happens with that. All right, next dominoes to fall. So what happens? We, we've got the ACC, what seems like they're going to be set now. And that leaves us with the Pac-2, or I guess at this point we should start calling them Tupac, right? We got Washington State. We got Oregon State. It feels like they've been in a holding pattern, circling the runway, waiting on the ACC Cal Stanford stuff to unfold, and then they can move into action. So uh, they're kind of hitching their wagons together, and now we see what's going to happen. I see four potential options for um, Washington State and Oregon State. Number one, join the American Athletic Conference, the AAC. Well, nope, that is not happening because statement released on Friday from the AAC, we have concluded that the best way to proceed for our outstanding student athletes is to not look westward. And heck, that's even after losing SMU now, they're saying that. So yikes. Okay, there's that. Uh, what about they could join the Mountain West Conference? That it, It's kind of funny because remember San Diego State? That was all the talk this spring. Is like it was a done deal with them to the Pac-12, and now it could be the other way around. We could get a couple Pac-12 schools going to the Mountain West Conference. In in recent weeks, Gloria Navarez, the MWC commissioner, has made presentations to both these schools. Wazoo back on August 24th, Oregon State on the 28th, and I mean, so the the Tupac Tupac could go join the Mountain West. Maybe you just dissolve and, and merge. I, you know, whatever. Uh, option three, rebuild the Pac-12. Um, from a historic standpoint, man, I would love for this to be the option. It'd be just so nice to see this thing re be rebuilt. I don't see it happening, or I, at least I don't see it happening to this near the strength that it that it has been for a century, you know? And so that that is unfortunate for me as just somebody who loves the history of college athletics, but that's where we're at. But I, I know that's kind of the, the heart that they would love to be able to do. Maybe grab a couple mid MWC schools. Maybe you grab, I don't know, Big Sky, West Coast Conference. I, I don't know what you go and do, but I mean, if I'm Gonzaga, I don't, I mean, maybe you go join the, I, I just don't think I'd want to be a part of that. But, um, or the fourth option is you go independent. You know, we've seen other schools do that. Maybe Oregon State and Washington State make a go of that as well. To me, I think the most, if I had to call it today, I'm saying they're joining the Mountain West Conference. That's, that's just where I'm at right now. Okay, but then what about the AAC? That's the other domino we got to look at. The SMU has just left. Are they going to replace the Mustangs? Obviously, they don't want it to be Oregon State and Washington State. Well, per all sorts of reports from this weekend, including from the AP, Army is the target. That's who they want. But for football only, not for our sport. Remember, Army currently is independent in football, although they play their basketball in the Patriot League. Now, here's part of why this makes a ton of sense. Army, Navy, biggest rivals. Navy is in the AAC. So it's a very natural move, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if we hear more about that soon. Although it sounds like that is the AAC's only target and they're not going to do anything from a basketball standpoint, just stand pat for now. However long now is till this all creeps up again. That's where we're at. 
that's where the AAC and the Tupac is at right now. Well, coming up, as I said, I want to talk a little bit about what I think the ACC and the Big Ten might do with their conference tournaments now that they're going to be up to 18 schools. Fun conversation. Can't wait to have it with you. Got some charts for those of you watching on YouTube. If you're listening and not watching, I'd encourage you to tune in and look at these kind of brackets I've got for you. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But first, this episode of Locked On College Basketball, it's brought to you by FanDuel. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 back in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off Sunday NFL ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now's the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit fanduel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer that you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Okay, so what I want to do is just talk about conference tournaments because this is the kind of dork I am. I just like looking ahead and, and projecting what I think these conferences are going to do. So again, both the ACC and Big Ten will be at 18 teams starting next academic year. So what I want to do to, to build this is use the ACC model because right now Big Ten's 14 schools and the ACC is 15. So that's closer to the 18. So want to look at what they're doing. So again, here we go. If you're uh, not watching, I'd encourage you to watch. If you are watching, make sure you're dialed in to what I'm about to pull up here. So uh, if you're watching, you can see uh, the ACC tournament bracket from last year. So basically how the ACC has been doing this with 15 teams is teams 10 through 15 play on day one. Teams five through nine get a single buy. So eight and nine play each other on day two and then six or uh, five, six and seven, excuse me, play the winners of those three games on day one. And then teams, the one through four seeds get a double buy. So that, that's the big thing in the ACC and Big Ten. You want to be a top four seed so you can get that double buy, have a bit of an advantage and um rest your legs as well. Like if you make the championship, you're only playing three games in that scenario instead of five, if you have to start on day one. So the championship, this is a five day long championship right now uh, for the ACC. It starts on Tuesday, goes through Saturday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yes. And for the big 10, it starts on Wednesday and goes through Sunday. Remember that always just kind of leads up into the selection show on Selection Sunday. So that's where things are at right now. And then I want to propose three new possibilities to you, one of which is I believe the way that both of these conferences will go. So let me pop up the first one for you here. And again, if you're watching, you can see this on YouTube. Basically what you got here is a standard 16-team bracket single elimination with two play-in games to allow for 18 teams. So basically what happens is you've got a single buy for the teams seated one through 14 and no teams get a double buy in this scenario. And then on day one, team 15 plays team 18. And then they slot in uh, the winner of that game plays the second seed and then 16 and 17 play. And the winner of that game slots in to play the top seed. And then you just go through like a normal 16 team bracket all the way down to one. Uh, again, um, I don't see this one happening 
because to me, it's not enough advantage for the better seeds and it's not enough disadvantage for the worst seeds outside of 15 to 18. So even if you're the number one seed, you've got to play four straight days to win a conference championship. That's just a lot, especially for a top seed that's probably in a position to get a high seed in the NCAA tournament. You just don't want to risk that. So to me, this is probably a no-go, a non-starter option number one. Let's move on to option number two. What we got here is a scenario that I'm just calling my not everyone is allowed bracket. Basically, the way this works is I've kicked out those play-in games. So team 17 and 18, if you're seated 17th or 18th, you actually don't even make the conference tournament in this scenario. Now, I, what I've done is reintroduced more buys for the higher-seeded teams. So teams 5 through 8 get a single buy. They start on day 2. And then teams 1 through 4 do get that double buy and start on day 3. So what happens is on day 1, you've got four games that feed into 5 through 8, and then those feed into 1 through 4. So 9 versus 16, 10 versus 15, 11 versus 14, 12 versus 13. And then you just play all the way through to day five. I like this one a little better. And we do have examples of other conference tournaments where they don't allow everyone in. So that's a possibility. However, once again, I don't see this one being the, uh, the thing either because think about what drives everything in college athletics, not giving money to the student athletes. That's for sure. Uh, Cause apparently, you know, we're, I know we do that now, but it's like, no, we got to make all the money we can for ourselves. So how do we do that? We play more games. So these conference tournaments are not going to want to be looking at opportunities to not let teams in. We want more games. We want more tickets. We want more butts in the seats. We want more concession stand and on and on and on. However, so because of all that, I think you want all 18 teams. This also to me is a no-go. So then that brings us to option number three, which is the one that is the most convoluted bracket. Yes, I did spend all this time figuring out how to make this work best. And <clears throat> while the bracket is convoluted, I actually think this is the one that is going to be the preference of these conferences. Here's why. It's the most similar to what the ACC and Big Ten are doing now in terms of letting everyone in. Uh, giving a single buy for some schools, a double buy for some schools and making that happen. So in this arrangement, it's just like option two, where seeds one through four get a double buy all the way to day three of the tournament. You do have a couple single buys, but it's not as many. Only teams five and six get a single buy, meaning that seven through 18 are all playing on day one. And I know that's fewer single buys, but I kind of like it, man. If you're outside of the top six, you need to be disadvantaged, right? So uh, top four seeds get a double buy, five and six get a single. Everyone else is playing on day one. So you just match up seven versus 18, work your way all the way into the middle. Uh, eventually those filter into playing five and six. And there's two brackets where they actually play each other before getting to teams one and three. So uh, if you're watching, you can see this and, and how it goes. If not, uh, go check this out on YouTube or go check it out on my Twitter. I've got it there as well. So again, I think this is the play. I know it's a wacky bracket, but seriously, check it out. Give me your thoughts. I'd love to hear your feedback. The one thing that we would have to pay attention with this is it puts six games on day one. That's just too many for one venue. Um, you know, typically you're thinking about no more than four. 
And so what you'd either have to do is have two venues on day one, like a supplementary venue, which we see that happen a lot, and play three games in each on day one, and then all come together in the main venue for the rest of the tournament, right? Um, or you could do make it a six-day tournament, which again might be appealing to the conference, uh, the conferences, because it's more days of basketball, more money, more tickets, on and on and on. But you are putting the teams that would have to play on day two at an unfair advantage against the teams that play on day one that would get a rest that win. And so I think of those options, I think I would promote a two venue option for that one. And then you funnel everyone together on day two. Anyway, I think this is super fun. I hope you enjoy these kind of conversations of looking at like, Hey, who, who makes most sense uh, to, to be uh, put in these, what for what these brackets to look like, excuse me. And uh, I think this is the way forward personally, again, would love to hear your thoughts, beat it up. Cause that's half the fun of this is what did I get wrong? What would you fix? What would you change? What would you do differently if you were a conference commissioner? All right, folks, that's it for today's episode of Locked on College Basketball. Great to kick off a new week. Thanks for joining us, you everydayers, or if you're brand new to the show. Well, you're like, man, I got one weekend of college football. I'm done. Let's go basketball. Thank you. Way to be here. I love it. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on CBB. Follow me at Isaac Shade. Make sure to subscribe to the show on video and audio format. Smash the like button so we know you're here. And again, leave us some comments on today's show. Hey, as always, apologies to the lawyer family. Let's go Wildcats. And until tomorrow when my guy Andy Patton and I are back together. Peace.